Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ali Roman Show podcast. When did the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland take shape and become a state as we know it? The monarchy of the United Kingdom has its origins centuries ago uh, with connections even as far back as the Norman conquest of England in the 10 hundreds. We'll come back to that. But the bigger question here is when did the United Kingdom uh, take shape? At some point, the United Kingdom was the Kingdom of Great Britain, and then it became the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland, and then there was the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, adjacent to Republic of Ireland. So when did all this take shape? Here's an article by the BBC, which gets into some of this history, uh, and it's discussing the Scottish referendum 2014, where the Scottish, where Scotland is part of the United Kingdom, we're discussing whether they should separate from the United Kingdom the way, in the way that the Republic of Ireland did way back in the early 1920s. <clears throat> so this article gets into the history of um, the United Kingdom. And an interesting year that it gets into is um, 1707. So in 1707, uh, according to the Act of Union of 1707, the parliaments of England and Scotland united. Now, it's it was in those years when we first see the appearance of the Kingdom of Great Britain. England at the time did include Wales, and um, and and with the united with the with the union of England and Scotland, we see the first picture of a modern Great Britain. And it's really not until the 1800s when uh, we begin to see the United Kingdom of Great Britain that includes Ireland. So in 1707, England and Scotland unite um, in accordance with the Act of Union of 1707, creating the uh, Kingdom of Great Britain. Now, when does Ireland join? By, let's take a look here. I think it's 1801. Let's see, what is the exact year when the Kingdom of Ireland um, joins? Let's take a look. So once the Kingdom of Ireland joins in 1801, I think it's 1801, um, the, the Kingdom of Great Britain becomes the, uh, the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland. All right, it's early 1800s, but let's take a look at what this article, oh, it's, 18, it's the year 1800 when this happens. Let's take a look at this article, uh, which is, comes from the History of Parliament, British Political, Social, and Local History, historyofparliament.org, online.org. The 1798 rebellion in Ireland brought to a head British government concerns over the state of constitutional relations between the two countries. After negotiations and parliamentary proceedings at West, Westminster and in Dublin, where considerable, considerable bribery and corruption were deployed, a legislative union was agreed. Under the ensuing legislation, the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland came into force on the 1st of January, 1801, the Irish MPs, ministers, and peers joining the 1790, 1796 Parliament. It now became the first UK Parliament. So pretty interesting. The granting of legislative independence to Ireland in 1782 marked the start of what later generations would refer to. All right, we'll come back to that. 
Um, the rebellion that broke out in May of 1798 and took some time to quell caused great instability in Ireland. At a time of international war against revolutionary France, it awakened geopolitical fears of the potential weakness of British Western defenses. Look at the next paragraph. British ministers also had to overcome formidable opposition from within the influential elite of Irish politicians. Notably, the last speaker of the Irish Commons, John Foster. So, pretty interesting. Um, let's take a quick look at the Wikipedia on the history of the Kingdom of Ireland. And of course, in 1922, 100 years later, um, 120 years later, part of Ireland um, secedes and becomes a Republic of Ireland. And Northern Ireland remains part of the United Kingdom as Northern Ireland. Now let's take a look at the Kingdom of Ireland on Wikipedia, 1542 to the year 1800. And what we want to look at is the very last years before all right, so it existed from 1542 until 1800. It was ruled by the King of Ireland, who were also the Kings of Ireland, who were also the monarchs of England and then of Great Britain. And the kingdom was administered from Dublin Castle by a viceroy of the king appointed by the English king. So, so there was this kind of murky intersection of Irish royal politics and English royal politics. And this is where this union occurred. Uh, the Protestant ascendancy meeting in their Parliament of Ireland passed the Acts of Union, 1800, which abolished both the Parliament itself and the Kingdom. The Act was also passed by the Parliament of Great Britain. George III's King of Ireland title was subsumed into his new King of Great Britain and Ireland title. All right, so let's take a look at... Um, this George the Third here. George the Third was King of Great Britain and Ireland from the 25th of October 1760 until his death in 1820. The Acts of Union in the, 18, in the year 1800 unified Great Britain and Ireland into the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland with George as its king. He was so kind of interesting. So this is in the 1800s. As this is very uh, kind of medieval. It looks a lot like it looks a lot like um, when you look at the German kingdoms that were sometimes in alliance with one another, where one of the kings was um, declared the Holy Roman Emperor. Maybe it looks a bit more like it looks a bit more like um, how the royal families of the Kingdom of Portugal and the um, Kingdom of Spain, the Crown of Spain. They were the crowns of Aragon and Castile, which became Spain. Uh, those royals were connected with one family, or at least the families they were were intertwined. And at some point, there's a there's the there's the union of Portugal and Spain. How long does that union last? That was from 1580 to 1640 under the Spanish Habsburg monarchs, Philip II, III, and the Fourth, So they, these were also connected with um, Dutch royals. The dynastic union of Spain, which is Castile and Aragon and Portugal, and their colonial empires. Even in those days, when the colonial empires were united, a lot of the nobles and elites uh, wanted to make sure that the 
uh, holdings of these two empires were semi-distinct. This is where you got these um, treaties like the Treaty of Tordesillas and, and the other one where they were having this uh, longitudinal line separating um, what was Portuguese and what was Spanish. And so everything from Brazil eastward up to, up to West Africa uh, was aspirationally under Portuguese um, dominion. And then everything west of Brazil over across the Pacific into the Philippines was aspirationally under Spanish control. Aspirationally, because in practice, they didn't fully control these lands. So you're seeing a bit of this in um, people like George III. And at some point, these two kingdoms unite, which is interesting. And um, in, in 1800, the year 1800, and by the early 1900s, uh, you have the Irish Civil War by, in, the, in the early 1920s, where um, a large section of Ireland breaks off and becomes the Republic of Ireland. Now, that, of course, leads to the 30-year so-called Troubles of the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, and 90s. Um, which really only came to an end um, by the year 2000. Um, and some of those discussions and tensions are starting to um, be remembered a bit more because of the way that um, Northern Ireland um, um, is the borders between Northern Ireland and uh, and the Republic of Ireland on the one side and the Scotland on the other, there are some issues of trade board boundaries and, um, and tourism boundaries for tourism and whatnot. These are all being discussed and debated because of Brexit. So we'll come back to that whole Brexit, how Brexit impacts uh, Northern Ireland. Because the Republic of Ireland is part of the European Union, but Brexit means that Northern Ireland is not part of the European Union. And uh, they traditionally have uh, kind of fluid borders, Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. But all of that changes with um, the end of the European Union. The borders, the boundary uh, line of the European Union on one side being in Ireland. So that kind of reignites some tensions there. So apart from that, the Irish Civil War ceremony marks 100 years since conflict end, ends. They still have in Ireland and in Northern Ireland uh, certain types of ceremonies and uh, commemorations for what happened there more than 100 years ago. So it says here in this article by the BBC, the conflict began on the 28th of June, 1922 and ended on the 24th of May, 1923. 2,000 people were estimated to have died, including key figures such as Michael Collins. Uh, each council area in the Republic of Ireland was allocated five places to allow close relatives of those directly affected by the civil war to attend. The conflict was between forces which supported the treaty signed by the Revolutionary Irish Republic and the United Kingdom to end uh, the Irish War of Independence and those who opposed it. So interesting, for decades after the Civil War ended, ended, the parties were the two largest in the state, were bitter rivals, but since 2020, they have governed together in a coalition. So this is happening in um, the Republic of Ireland. What was the Irish Civil War? The Civil War broke out after the ratification of the Anglo-Irish Treaty, which brought an end to the Irish War of Independence. 
The treaty negotiated and signed by <clears throat> representatives of the British government and an Irish delegation created the Free Irish Free State, which would become independent of the United Kingdom, but would remain part of the British Empire with the king as his head of state. Northern Ireland, which had come to, into existence in 1921, was given the ability to opt out of the new Free State, which its unionist government chose to do. All right, all very complicated, but the outcome is you had this. Um, you had, the outcome is that you had this Republic of Ireland, which was established in the early 1920s, and the northern region of um, Ireland, as part of these peace treaties, was allowed, was allowed to remain part of um, the United Kingdom. And one key city there in the north is Belfast, and a key city in the Republic of Ireland is Dublin. So these are two major cities that are officially under two different um, political systems. So pretty interesting. Um, here's an article by uh, the Boston College website, taking another view, taking another view of the Irish Civil War. While the conflict was tragic and traumatic, Burns scholar Eunan O'Halpin believes some perspective is in order in assessing its impact on Ireland. I wonder if I mispronounced his name. Um, for Burns, visiting scholar in Irish studies, Dr. O'Halpin, his fondness for reading print newspapers mirrors his approach to scholarly work. All right, he, he says here, when you leave through the newspaper to get to what you want to read, you find yourself stopping at something else that catches your interest. And this can lead to revelations that are as profound as they are unexpected, explained Dr. O'Halpin, a professor emeritus of contemporary Irish history at Trinity College, Dublin. Um, he's a specialist in 20th century Irish and British political, administrative, and diplomatic history. His books include Head of the Civil Service, a study of Sir Warren Fisher. He's teaching the class Ireland, America, and Britain during the Cold War and beyond which gets into Anglo-Irish, Anglo-American, and broader geopolitics. Uh, an Island at War, Reframing, the Ir Re Reframing Irish Political Violence, 1922-1923, which is a talk he gave. Um, here, what, what is his big claim? O'Halpin, for his part, believes the focus on the purely military aspect of the Civil War is misplaced. More Irish civilians were killed, mainly in Northern Ireland, in the months leading up to the government slash pro-treaty forces, June 28th, 1922, attack on anti-treaty, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all right, so I guess he, he likes to, he, he's interested in, in researching and writing about um, a lot of the conflict and, and uh, disasters that took place uh, or he think he tries to emphasize how much um, how the Civil War impacted people outside of military circles. So kind of interesting. We'll come back to this. But the outcome here is that uh, the establishment of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland happened in several stages and began with the Union of England, which includes Wales. Uh, and Scotland in the early 1700s. It continued with the um, with the union of 
that kingdom of Great Britain with Ireland in the 1800s, and then um, the secession of the Republic of Ireland in the 1920s, which leaves us today with the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland.